welcome into episode 89 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast, alongside Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan. I'm Luke Lipinski. Gentlemen. Hattie, Hattie. Oh, there, there we it go. Is. And Luke has a little pep in his step this afternoon. Well, that's mainly just because... From the candy bar? <laughs> yes, it's from that delicious vending machine lunch I just had. And you can't judge me. You're having a Nestle Crunch. I didn't even know they still made Do you those. like a sip of water from my mug? <laughs> Should we at least explain what's going on? Craig needed water. The service here sucks, apparently. That's, what, that, that's what's going on. Craig repeatedly asked his waiter for water, realized we're not in a restaurant, had to wash out some sort of weird mug from... I don't even know where you found that. It's not yours. Don't right? ask questions. No. So Craig is having a nice, delicious mug of cold water. The Nestle's Crunch, which you may hear right now. Yeah, because it was formed mm. in 1974. Mm. Uh, yeah. I don't want to think about that. Good luck with that. So... We're all eating healthy here. The water's the good. Point. Is it? Mm-hmm. I've never had a mug of water before. Neither have I. I don't think I ever will again either. Pinky's out. Also, chocolate and water together, that's like the worst combination. Not a lot of options at this restaurant. No, it's okay? not the worst combination. Okay. It's the worst reasonable combination. Okay, so all right. Could have, could have a mug of orange juice right there, which would really just throw things off. Yeah, but chocolate and water don't go well together. As Craig is finding out right now, I can tell by the look on his face. All right. 89 is the Mikel Bodker episode. It is the Alexander McGillney episode, if you want to go more is broad. Is bothering you? I mean, it's bothering every single listener. I don't Probably. think it's bothering I don't have headphones on. They always have something to complain about with my voice, so. Yeah, you, you wanted me to turn Why up Craig's volume. I turned up Craig's volume. Well, you're, you're about one chew away from chewing the actual mic, so <laughs> I, I'm with them on this one. All right, I'm done eating. Here, just have a nice another another sip, sip of from mine. your mug. Yeah. All right, Stanley Cup ended last night. Six games, uh, much like last year. Penguins win, they win in six. I would say this year was a lot more competitive than, or at least more in doubt. I guess the games were still sort of lopsided. Yeah, because the Penguins sucked in the first two games. But they won, so it's all that matters. Yeah, but it never felt like they were going to lose to San Jose last year, whereas this year, no. I, it wouldn't have shocked me when they got down to the final three because, as Jamie just said, Nashville outplayed Pittsburgh in the first two. How big does that, that first game loom now? P.K. Subban's disallowed goal? Yeah. Kind of a big deal. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, just Who knows? That, just Who that knows? Game in you know, general. we can say that. It's yeah. we don't know, but it did seem to shift momentum a bit in that game. Well, Subban's disallowed goal. I, I don't have as much of a problem with because when we saw the the replay, they were offside. Mm-hmm. The disallowed goal last night. That's is oh, that. horrible. That's. But it's again. It's it's. What's he supposed to do, right? Yeah. That's what the referee is supposed to do. You lose sight of the puck, you blow the whistle. Maybe yeah. you give it a, a beat more than you that gave was it. Really quick. <laughs> See, and then, and then that's it was a quick whistle. Maybe you, you take an extra couple seconds just but, to make how, sure. But how many times are guys hacking at a goalie? Right. Like, why won't they blow the whistle already? Exactly. Well, and then so, later on, every time Murray did have the puck, there was like twelve seconds, and he was just getting beaten into the ice. And I understand why. I mean, that's got to be a terrible feeling to be the official in that situation. That should have been a goal for Nashville. And, of course, everybody now comes out on one of two sides. You have the Penguins fans that are like, well, we would have won anyway because we scored two goals. Well, the second one was an empty net goal, and the whole game would have been different. Maybe Pittsburgh wins anyway, who knows, but it's a different outcome, or at least a different way to get to that outcome. And then you have the Nashville fans who are like, if that goal had been allowed, we would have won the series in four games somehow. So <laughs> right. there's no middle ground. Look, yes, I, somehow every team there's a bias against both these teams. The NHL hates both these teams and wants both every these team, teams to win. Every team in the league they yeah. hate. Yeah. Everybody that's, hates every, everybody. Everybody's fan base is picked upon. Yep. But that's that's brutal. And it's not like we've it never is. seen it's a that rough call. play, yeah. but to see it game six of a scoreless Stanley Cup game is just brutal. Mm-hmm. It's not a well-officiated no, series. No, it, it really wasn't, but I, there's nothing nefarious about it. It was, but no, if they it's were, rough. Doing anything, they'd have won the human game element. Seven. Yes, and then they proceeded the to call every single penalty on Pittsburgh. The rest, yeah, of the there way. was that too. So the anybody who, who was believing in conspiracy theories, yeah, one hundred percent. Let's drop that against one team. No, I'm going to mess with my mic again, and people are going to complain. Okay, I'm good. Can't you just talk about hockey, Craig? Why do you have to be chewing and drinking and breaking? I'm actually, mics? not chewing right now. No. Yeah. Okay. All right, where do you want to go with this? It's actually, this, uh, he's got whiskey in that mug. Actually, yeah, it's clear. I guess it could be tequila. It'd be a good day for it. <laughs> We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, where else do you want to go with this this series, just in general? Well, I just uh, repeats are cool. Repeats are really cool. They don't happen very often in any sport except basketball. Where they, they happen, happen all, all the time. time. Yeah, because yeah. 
it's the NBA. And incredibly we've, difficult we've to do. We've killed that one, haven't we? We've beaten that horse Wait, to that, death. That series is still going on as we record Look this. at that. Wow. It's, it's not going to be a sweep. No. Yeah. That's all you can say, really. Oh, it's not going to be a sweep. Kyle Corbett. So it's exciting. It Five-game series. Yes. Riveting. Yeah, exhilarating. Game, but just, again, first time in 19 years, 18 seasons that we've seen a repeat. We, we know all the, all the narratives about the uh, salary cap era and how difficult it is to build a team that can do this back-to-back. And Pittsburgh did it. Pittsburgh suffered some significant injuries, too. They played the entire postseason without their best defenseman, and they still repeated as cup champs. That's, that's amazing. Give it up for the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the most remarkable thing beyond just the, the big-picture scope of winning back-to-back years and the extra games you have to play in the meantime. But doing it without Chris Letang, who I've, again, I've said on the show more times than I can count, I think is the most, not the most, not the best player on the Penguins, but the most valuable player on the Penguins. And they won without him. That's, that's quite anymore. remarkable. No, he's been replaced yeah. by, by who? No, you, you can't miss Jake a whole Gensel. playoff and have your team win the cup and just say you're still the MVP. Sorry. I'm not buying that argument from no, you anymore. They, yeah. uh, I mean, because they, they went through some decent teams. I was thinking about this after the game. If you look at this whole playoff run for the Penguins, I don't know what stands out for you guys, but there's two two games in, in particular stand out for me in the sense that the most intense and the, the one that was probably the, the, the most contentious and up for grabs, obviously, to the last second was double overtime against Ottawa in Game 7 because Pittsburgh is one shot away from not even being in the Cup. Mm-hmm. But the one now that I look back that I just I still I cannot believe that they won was Game 7 in Washington. Right. After the Capitals had won two in a row. I'm not trying to open Washington wounds here, but Washington had won two straight. It was in Washington, and the Capitals didn't even score. That's the one I look back, because you're right. They won the Stanley Cup without Crystal Tang, which I never would have thought. Not that I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think it was going to happen. And now I look back, and I'm like, that's where they should have been eliminated, probably. It was Game 7 against Washington. Shut out. And they get shut out. How do you get shut out in Game 7 on home ice? How does that happen? It just... It's the ultimate narrative. I mean, but at some point... It stops being a narrative and just starts no, being just maybe, who you are. maybe there's something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in are. the fabric of the organization. How about Philip Forsberg having a great season and then disappearing against the Penguins in the playoffs? Oh, did as if he's still on the Washington Capitals. He, he did. Um, he is not the same player without Ryan Johansson. I was no. just going to say the same thing. Maybe maybe Ryan Johansson really means that much to Forsberg. That whole line and that look that, that was a big part of this series is too. I, I would like to see now. Granted, Lutang was out too. So if Pittsburgh has him and. Nashville has Johansson. I don't know how this plays out, but I, I would have liked to have seen Nashville at full tilt going against the defending champions to lose your top center. That's a huge blow. If you put Latang and Johansson back in the series, I think the result is the same, but the, the way we get there is so much more entertaining. I just think we see much better mm-hmm. hockey across the board. So what about next year? What about it? Oh, we're, we're one day after the season. So yeah, we, we start looking at it and see uh, who's going to be here next year. You, I know you're a gambling man, Luke, so if you're, if you're interested, the, the Penguins are favored right now. <laughs> no, no thanks. Not, uh, no three-peat? How can you look? It, the Stanley Cup ended less than 24 hours ago. Who's the last three-peat? Is it the, is it the Islanders? Be, it has to be the Islanders. Yeah, because the Oilers, God. The Oilers yeah, never Four and six, right? Oilers won, Oilers won four and this, six? This is crazy to me. I, I, when I was looking at this last night, if you go back to 1990, Pittsburgh has more cups than anybody. That I didn't expect. And Detroit, I would have. I think I would have thought Detroit had the most. If you go back to this arbitrary year of 1990, Pittsburgh has more cups than anybody, Jamie. Uh, that's oh, what okay. I hear. If, if you, you, if you also go back to the arbitrary year of 2017, Pittsburgh has more cups than anybody. That's true. Don't mess with Jamie. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. <laughs> no, but if you, I mean, I was just looking at that from basically the starting point, the year before they won their first cup. And it's just... It is surprising to me how much the Cups are spread out around the NHL. It's also surprising and, and somewhat depressing if you go back to 90, and Pittsburgh has five, Detroit has four, Chicago has three, uh, LA has two, Colorado has two. New Jersey has three. When did New Jersey win three Stanley Cups? I don't remember any. I, I do. I shouldn't say I don't remember them. But you, you were sleeping as you were watching them trap teams to victory. But they won Cups like eight years apart. So it wasn't just that mid-90s 95, trap. 2000, 2003. Yeah, I mean, New Jersey just kept winning cups. The last three-peat is, in fact, the Islanders, and they had a four-peat, actually, because it was the drive for five, as you guys uh, probably don't remember, actually. No, I, I don't recollect much okay. from the 80s. 80, no. 81, 82, 83. 80s the Islanders just won four me. straight. Edmonton came with two straight, and then, of course, Steve Smith happened, and they lost to Calgary. And you don't remember uh, any of this. Well, I've, I've watched the footage the of Steve Smith goal. scoring. Yeah, that's... 
That's uh, that's brutal. All right, let's let's talk some big picture here with some of these players in this uh, series. Let's start with just Nashville in general, the city, and what I feel like they did for the league. I mean, that was that was a pretty that worked out really well for the NHL. And I think people are looking at it today and, and last night and saying, "Wow, that was it was great to have Nashville in there." Did we not say this three weeks ago? How great it would be to have Nashville in the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup? Hey, look, people who cover the game know how great that city is for for hockey. But my fear is they didn't win. So are people even going to remember this down the road? Or does this, does this whole story, this whole party in Nashville just fade from memory because they didn't win the Cup? I think it's better they didn't win. Well, no, I don't think it's better that they didn't win. But Not I, for I, Nashville, but just in general. I, I think it depends on how they follow this up. If they follow this up by immediately missing the playoffs next year or getting oh, well, yeah, swept out of the first round or – then all that momentum goes away. But if, if they continue it with solid, steady runs, I think there's no reason why they can't be a, a, a steroided-up version of what Tampa was following their actual cup victory. I wrote about this today. Just, yeah, it's not it. a baseball podcast, Jamie. Right. It's a different, different-looking team, obviously. The, yeah. the, their strength I mean, the is still the on the back end. The them in, in a non-traditional market. Pecorino is going to be a year older. Can he keep this up? Or maybe I'm, I'm not, I know I'm not pronouncing that correctly now after listening to that Finnish call of his save. We need to get Verbata back on to ask him can, how to pronounce. Can you do Finnish too? I don't, I don't know, know if you can do Finnish. Probably we better need to than get, us. We need to get Lori Korpakoski on. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Okay. Uh, the reason I say it, it's in some ways I think better, just in terms of the league and exposing the the game to new fans. I think, and, and Craig, you can speak to this as as a Blackhawks fan. I mean, once you've won a cup or two. Once you're the favorite and you're winning, people are pulling for the underdog. I get that. Like, I knew coming yep. into the series, everybody that wasn't explicitly from Pittsburgh would be pulling for Nashville. Plus the visceral hatred of Sidney Crosby. Well, that yeah. I don't get. People are, whatever. That's their issue. But I understand why you would pull for Nashville, because it's a fun city. It's a fun team. They embraced it. They had different country music stars or celebrities, Charles Barkley out at the games, and they've never won a cup. So I feel like next year when the Stanley Cup playoffs starts, as long as they're on channels that are exposed to the general public... People are going to pull for Nashville. I think that's kind of just be everybody's adopted team if it's not their team. Whereas uh, if they had won, it was just going to kind of be like a one-off, I feel like. Yeah, but you're talking more about what does it do for the fan base in Tennessee more than you're talking about what it does for casual fans who are going to pretend they care about teams for two months. Well, it doesn't help the fan base in Tennessee because you want to win. No, but I think that's the big picture look at this. Not that all oh, other teams, other people might root for them to beat Calgary in the first round next year. I hope yeah. so. It's, but it, it, so to me, again, I, I thought they had a really good, it was a good run. As from somebody that wasn't there for this period of time, it looked like they were having a hell of a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's tough to have a, to, for an environment to come across more electric, electric than it did on TV. Mm-hmm. Really no arrests either. I mean, yeah. you got to give That's true too, yeah. Credit. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't care what happened. Yeah. <laughs> just let it, That's just let That's it go. True. Yeah. Everybody gets this Sunday but, off. But you're right though. I mean, without, without the win... It doesn't cement. When you win a championship, especially in a market like that, it changes the view of your franchise. People don't remember second place teams. No. They just, it's. But it if is they what it get is. back and they make a run again next year, then it becomes part of the bigger picture of yes. how Nat. It, there becomes a 30 for 30 how Nashville became Hockey Town. Sure. Right? You can see it already. But, but it's like not it, easy. But it's going to take, it's not easy. I mean, not local easy market. Back. Local as market I, got to the Western Conference final. As I, as I wrote about, you, you might have read this. You probably did. Don't look at me. <laughs> you know how I feel about reading. As I wrote, you know, not only you know, Pittsburgh's not only the the last the, the latest team to repeat, the first team to do it in 19 years. They were the last team to lose in the Cup final and then get back the next year. And and before them, it hadn't happened since. Did I say Edmonton in the story? I think it was Edmonton. Yeah, it's a long time. So it's not just hard to repeat. It's hard to even get back to the Cup final. So to expect Nashville, you know, a lot of people will look at this, oh, it's a building block for the organization. It's a, it's a dangerous view. It's, it's probably not, it doesn't jibe with precedent. When you look at what's happened over the course of NHL history, the last 20 years, 25 years, going back to that arbitrary year of 1990. It's a good round number. Yeah. So I'll keep going back to it's that. It's really hard to get back. And I don't, Nashville made. can't count on it. You're right. If they can win, hey, if they can get back to the conference final again next year, then you're, then you're yeah. talking about a team like Tampa Bay where you're showing you're a legitimate contender every year, but we'll see how the West plays out. There's a lot of shifting going on in the West, too, so it's hard to predict where the power is going to be next year. I, I agree with that. I'm, I'm not one of those people that thinks, okay, well, you made it to the conference final this year. That means you're going to the Cup next year, and you're going to win the year after, right? It, it, it just it doesn't work like that. Um, switching over to Pittsburgh, since you, you, know, you pointed out that 
they are the last team to get there and lose and then win the next year, which they did. And Crosby and Malkin were very young when that happened, and then they went, what, basically seven years without winning a cup. Mm -hmm. You and I were texting last night. How much is this – I hate using the term legacy for a guy that's 29 and still probably going to be in the league for a while, but how much has the narrative around Crosby and that whole core changed in the last 18 months ever since they basically – Basically, ever since they brought in Mike Sullivan. It, and, and we've talked about this a little bit with the way we talked about Ovechkin. It's changed completely. I don't say it's changed completely, but it's changed significantly. I think we would have, and you and I have had conversations off the air about if they only had one cup in the Sidney Crosby era, what a failure that would ultimately we be. We were doing that early episodes of this podcast last year. Yep. And... It, it really it changes the narrative because I think we would be talking about the time Crosby missed with injury with a lot more significance if they never won. We would be saying that was the moment where Crosby's potentially uh, you know, meteoric career got derailed. Despite his numbers, despite what he was doing, we would say, you know what, they never were the same. Now we look at it as two different halves, and I think people are going to kind of gloss over that middle part where you miss a lot of time with the head injury, and they're going to look at him. And I still believe, overall, he'll be looked at more favorably after his career than he is now. I think there's, by fans, because I think there's still this, this, this vitriol around Sidney Crosby of the hating the best player in the game. I think once that subsides, people are going to look back and say, what he's been able to do in the era of hockey that he's in, in the, sta- in the salary cap era and in the era of People aren't scoring 130, 140 points a season anymore. Yeah. I think we're going to look back at that and say, wow, not only was that team dominant, but we really appreciate how good Sidney Crosby truly has been. And he plays with an edge, which is part of the reason people get upset because they oh, look, at, look at what he did to P.K. Subban. That, I mean, that, was, that was ridiculous. It Let's didn't see. upset Mike Milbury. <laughs> wow. Do we, we don't want to go we off the rails. We don't want to go off the rails. He had it coming. Okay. Yeah. See, now, hold on. We do have to at least comment on this now. That, to me, took a play that, you're right, was, was a bad look for Crosby, was a bad look for the game on a national stage. Is not the first time that's ever happened in a hockey game, though. Should have He should have been penalized heavier than, than Subban, obviously. Yes. Subban should have gotten the two-minute holding. Yeah, he had a he death grip on his, yeah. on his leg, and people are like, what did he do? Well, he had a death grip yeah. on his leg. He wouldn't let go. If he lets go, none so, of this happens. Yeah. But Crosby should have got at least an additional two minutes, if not no, more. No, quit. What, what happened to the concern for head injuries? Especially, oh, by the way, you know, by the guy who's like the poster yes, child for head injuries. They don't care. They don't if, care, if, and that's the truth. This, the, the underlying current of this whole postseason, the NHL should be thankful that Nashville saved this from being the main narrative, is how pathetic their concussion policy is. When did that become a penalty, by the way? At what point did that turn into a penalty? When did the referee decide, okay, it's time to call an infraction? Yeah. It wasn't while Sidney Crosby was dribbling P.K. Subban's head off the ice. No. It was when they got up and P.K. Subban went back after him. Oh, it's time to call a penalty. That, I get. People are like, wait a minute. Yeah. Seriously? But see, to me... That's a double standard. When you look at the end of... Well, I just think it was poor officiating. It was poor officiating every single game of the series. Sure. That's probably what it was, but people are, can interpret it that way. Yeah. Because you, to say... Mike Milbury is also saying, yeah, you couldn't see what he was doing. Oh, uh, yeah, because he was just standing right next to the two players. I, the thing with the Milbury comment, to me, it, it took it from, that's a missed call and it should be a penalty. And I was telling you, that was probably the best, it was the best Stanley Cup game I can remember Crosby playing. And yet he tarnished it with that because that's all anybody was talking about the next day. And yet you could tell a minute and a half into that game, at least I thought, that, that series went from 2-2, the game was still tied. I thought the Penguins were going to win the Cup because Crosby has he's he, completely flipped He was dominant switch. that night. He but was when dominant that Milbury night. makes a comment like that, it goes from an, you know, an ugly play that happens in a hockey game, nobody was hurt, just move on, to this just has bad undertones to it, which have nothing to do with Crosby or Subban. Like, no, that's a horrible comment. No, that's, that's all about Milbury, and we can, yeah, it's, again, yeah, it's, we can explore that if you'd like. Well, some Nashville fans had some nice things to say. Some nice parting words were, for Mr. Milbury on the air last night. They were prepared for him uh, last night. But back to the whole, just the way this, the, the focus on that core group of Penguins has changed, how much of that is Crosby just I don't know what he did changing his game a year and a half ago. How much of that is the simple fact that they've had Matt Murray? How much of that is Mike Sullivan, or how much of it is adding Phil Kessel? I mean, all of the above. All of the above. They all they all played a role. It's crazy, and it was crazy to me when Crosby was getting blamed every time they'd lose, even if he wasn't on the ice or if he was playing well. And now it's like now he's the greatest player ever. 
it helps to have Matt Murray and it helps to have a coach that knows how to use his players. Yep. So, no doubt. I don't know. And that's, that's why. Yeah, I don't know if you have anything more to say on the Penguins, but no, it's yeah. all you. I just, I'm, I'm just admiring them at this point. And look, as as a hockey fan, and I, I understand people get angry about teams that win multiple championships. They hated the Blackhawks too, but this is a cool thing to see. I think this is good for the sport. It's incredibly difficult to do, and they should be. Yeah, they should be remembered for this. This is an incredible achievement. Not many teams do it, especially in this era. And speaking of that, let's talk about another team that has won multiple championships recently. And a lot of people are starting to write them off, saying their their cup window is closing or closed. And we're hearing all these crazy rumors now about the Chicago Blackhawks unloading a core player. Stan Bowman has been pretty vocal about needing to shake things up thus far. He hasn't. All he's done is add a new assistant or two. And they're, they're probably going to send Marcus Kruger to Vegas, which everybody expected anyway. But if you're going to move a core player out, what is Chicago's possibility? I, I don't even know what to think about this team's future. But it, it, can, you, can you find a, a sucker to take Brent Seabook's contract? Are the Blackhawks even looking at it? Or are they like his, do they like his leadership and think maybe he can regain his game because he's only 32? Are you looking at moving out an Artemisimov? You get him to wave his no move. There's so many interesting possibilities, but there are also hurdles to each one of those moves. You're trying to move Seabrook if you can. He's oh, signed through 2024. Yeah, but everybody knows you're trying to move Seabrook. Yeah. yeah. But it only takes one team to be like, oh, well, hold on, we can change and Brent now you got 30 Seabrook. Of them. Look, look at Leafs fans. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll take Brent Seabrook. Please take Brent Seabrook. Leafs fans, Are you kidding me? not the oh, Leafs front right. office. Right. You open, open up that cap space for the Blackhawks? Yeah, just as a reminder, if you really if you're if you feel like you're in the market for Brent Seabrook, he's owed nearly seven million a year through two thousand twenty four. Yep. So have fun with that. This is one of those situations where you might get a good year out of him next year and maybe even the year after. And then what are you doing for the next five years? Buyout, baby. Yep. Yeah. What do you in your mind, what does Chicago need? Is this I mean, I understand this is being done. They need to improve their blue line. Space. I think their blue line was their glaring weakness in this postseason. Now those young forwards didn't perform like they did in the regular season, but to an extent, I expected that. They hadn't been this experienced before, so what, why did you expect that they were going to shine on that stage? But they didn't, they didn't get what they needed to get from their blue line. A lot of the problems for igniting their offense were their zone exits. They, they simply didn't do a good job in that regard. And when you're playing Nashville, which has this incredible blue line, the, uh, the contrast was amazing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that feels like years ago now because it was the first round of the playoffs, but I'm still more stunned by Nashville doing what they did to Chicago even than Pittsburgh repeating without Latang. That was – and I guess we have better context now. We realize Nashville is a pretty good hockey team, but you're right. There's obviously weaknesses for them to expose on Chicago, and I think it's been telling that we've heard from some of the Blackhawks players themselves say, look, our record was a little pumped up. Not that they didn't earn that record, but – because they won a lot of games in overtime or the shootout, and when you get into the playoffs, it's a little bit different. And they know that better than anybody. Do you think the Blackhawks could use the Penguins as a blueprint? They had this core, and people thought, wow, how are you going to be able to fill in around that? And then they did. But, I mean, they've, Chicago's been doing it, well, essentially. Yeah, but they haven't won a championship. I know it's only been three years, yeah. so... Right, exactly. They, 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 they that's, had, those are the expectations for a team like that now, they right? They haven't had their very young players step up like the Penguins have the last two years. That's the difference. If they're getting a Jake Gensel-like performance from somebody on their roster, we're looking at the Blackhawks a lot differently. But, or he's getting unloaded to another team. I mean, that's the problem. They've had worse cap issues than Pittsburgh. Somehow, somehow since Rutherford came in, they had cap issues. He's lessened their cap issues, and they've won two cups. And they haven't had a great blue line. Mm-hmm. So... No, but last year was, wasn't bad because Latang was, other than when he was suspended in the playoffs, they had him. That makes a difference. But the, the Blackhawks have Duncan Keith, who's still a very good player. Yeah. So, I, you know, we have, we're, there's sort of this agreement, there's this belief that they have to improve that blue line, but what did Pittsburgh just do? Yeah. What did Pittsburgh just do? Well, if you have two franchise centers, you can Yeah, well, uh, there you line. go. That, and that's, that's a big part of it. They have Sidney yeah. Crosby and, and Katie Malkin. But the Blackhawks have some really good forwards, too. Yeah, that is, that is weird, because I see a lot of similarities between those two teams, but you're right, there are some differences. But look, the issue is 
that Chicago, not so much that they haven't won a cup in, in the last two seasons, they haven't made it out of the first round in the yes. last two seasons. That That is, that's strange. I mean, obviously not everybody's going to win the cup, but it is weird to see a team like that go out in the first round two years in a row. Last year, what it was game seven, the puck hits off two posts, and you think, okay, it just wasn't their year, but then to get swept this year raises more questions. It, they seem to be the team getting hit hardest by the salary cap every year. And I feel like Stan Bowman's done a good job considering what he has to work with. I'm not sure he has done a good job because why are, why are they in these contract situations? Well, they have the two highest paid players in the NHL. He's, he's yeah. done a decent job of maneuvering around his own cap mistakes. And, that, okay. and that's the thing. He has made mistakes. I mean, the Bickle contract was terrible from the second it was signed. Yes. And so, I mean, there are things where, yes, he's been able to get out of them, but they were his mistakes to begin with. You don't get extra credit for just because you maneuvered around. Now, that maneuvering cost them Teravainen and Brandon Zod. So uh, how would that Blackhawks team look right now with those two players? Exactly. Dustin Bufflin. I mean, there's so many players that you can name if you start looking at it that they lost because of. Poor cap management. And, and, but that's... Tebu Teravainen. How much of it is poor cap management? How much is it... It just takes a lot of money to keep a core like that together. But who's, who's your core? Who are you... Is Brent Seabrook part of your core? Well, no. Should I mean, he have Seabrook, been paid the way he was paid? It, Probably not. Again, and don't forget, more than Duncan, Duncan Keith. Keith is on one of the best contracts in the league. So you should have been able to take advantage of that. Yeah, it's hard to defend the Seabrook contract. It really is, yeah. unless unless they were just afraid he was going to walk if they didn't give him that much. But then you reinvest that money elsewhere because they've had – that's the thing. It's not like they, they haven't either scouted or drafted well, but when they get guys, they have to give them away, essentially. Yeah. That's the difference. Now you have Pittsburgh and Chicago have each won three cups in the last whatever it is, eight years, nine years. And yet you look around the league and you see really good players like, oh, that guy used to be a Blackhawk. That guy used to, there's not really a lot of teams – getting right. fat off former Penguins right now. Yeah, and the former Blackhawk team is you wrote incred- that, incredible. You? Yeah, you wrote that a, a year ago, and it got better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it did. Yeah. I know. It may get better this offseason if a core player goes out. I don't know how they move any of these guys, though. I don't. I don't First know. of all, you have, a, have to have a guy willing to waive his no move, which is hard enough to do, but then you got to find a taker. I can't imagine a taker for Brent Seabrook. I, I'm not sure I could find a taker for Marion Hosa. So it's, it's got to it. be a guy like Chalmerson or Anisimov, who's the name that I've heard that they're working on. You could move Anisimov. Probably. Easily. And then you just slide Nick Schmaltz up in the second line center. But what does that do for you? It doesn't, it, doesn't like, it doesn't change your cap structure dramatically. It's not a huge contract. It probably just gets you compliant again, but it's not like you can make moves to improve the team. It's not a move I would make. Really? I mean, no? Well, I understand they have to do something, they otherwise do something. they're going to be over the cap. But if there's another move you could make, I feel like there's other moves they can make that wouldn't make them worse on the ice. That's your number two center. I don't know that that's the answer to getting back to winning the cup is getting rid of your number two center. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough call. He's, he's, he's in a really tough spot. But I think they need to do even more than that. They need to, they need to look at drastic changes to this roster. It's hard to do, but that's what they have to be looking at. All right, more news and notes around the league, Craig, since we have you here. And there's been Coyotes breaking news today. You just looked around like, wait, what are we talking about yeah, here? Yeah, so uh, somebody named Craig Morgan, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of him. I don't know if it's a country music singer, I haven't confirmed, but reported today that the Coyotes majority owner, very, very much majority owner now, uh, Andrew Barraway has completed his buyout of the minority owners. He'll be the sole owner of the franchise. So I guess the obvious questions, let's get a couple of them out of the way. Uh, does that mean they're moving, Craig? <laughs> Not immediately, no. <laughs> I don't think there's any real thought to moving. Is that, that's how I would term this right now. From what I've heard, Andy's pursuing local options first. The, the league is very much pursuing local options first, and they still feel they have some. I, you know, the, the downtown option is still something they want to pursue. There's still the idea of a, a municipality in that tax district. And as I reported last fall, there's land available at the Pima Maricopa Indian community. So there's still some possibilities, the things that they could look at. You know, I don't know that the Coyotes are even looking at the ladder right now. I think their focus really is downtown. But again, you have to get Robert Sarver to the table. Maybe you change the terms. You look at different possibilities now that... The ownership structure has changed, and you've got a new voice in there instead of Anthony LeBlanc. Maybe there's, there's a chance to bridge that gap with Robert Sarver or even get him to the table. But, you know, again, all this is 
it's speculation at this point. It, it's really hard to say. Should Coyotes fans in any way think of the franchise in any, any differently today than they did when they woke up this morning? I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Andy Barrow is the sole owner right now, so... I mean, when I look at it, I, I, don't, I haven't seen his books, so I can't say what the financial situation is, but when one guy's on the hook for an entire team, I have some concerns there. Sure, is their payroll going to remain the same, or, or are we going to see cuts? Is it even going to matter this season because they probably got three more entry-level players coming into the system, so they, they probably can't spend any money anyway because they need to have these roster spots available for their young guys. I, again, I don't know. We, we have to see how this plays out. I know a lot of people are asking me, is this good for the franchise or bad for the franchise? I just don't know. I can't see the future. We have to wait and see this play out. And I guess last question on that. Does this in any way you think change the timeline of anything with the arena? Now that they don't have a team president at the moment, uh, as you mentioned in the article, they're exploring options there. Yeah. Does this really push anything back on that end or is this just it's no, business as usual? I, I'm sure the conversations are still going. It's just it would be really good to, to find a team president because that's, that's your representative. That's no. your face. And, and, you know, hopefully they can find somebody with local ties, somebody with some cachet in this, this market. You need somebody who has relationships that can make this happen because this is clearly a monumental task. Whether it's getting a new arena built or even if they can get Sarver at the table, maybe even renovating Talking Stick Resort Arena. All right, just a couple more points that I would make on this Andrew Barraway buyout. As far as I know, it's, it's not going to impact any of the executive staff, John Chaika's safe, all that should march on as, as it has in the past. Of course, Gary Drummond, the president of hockey operations, will be gone now. So whether they replace him or not, I don't know yet. I think that they're still figuring that out. Uh, I do have some questions about Dave Tippett, the executive vice president of hockey operations, and of course the coach. But I would point out that Dave Tippett still has four years left on his contract, and that's a, that's a hard thing to walk away from. So Hopefully we'll hear from Dave Tippett. Hopefully we'll hear from the Coyotes at some point when the league allows them to discuss this topic. And then, of course, the last thing hanging out there is Shane Doan. But there are a lot of factors that Shane Doan is weighing. It's not just Andy Barraway. I think that's probably one of them. He has to decide whether he still wants to be a part of this organization moving forward, but his family plays into it. There are a lot of things playing into Shane's decision. So hopefully we will find that out before free agency starts. All right, I'm going to step back in, and I'm going to advise everybody that Jamie Eisner is stepping out, so don't think we like did something Just to him. Just bailed on us. Yeah, he's, he said he babbled something about, apparently Major League Baseball has a draft today, yeah. so he's going to be... Isn't it 700 rounds or something? It is, and it's like done on the phone. It's not even, it's not even, like, I'm not even sure if MLB Network shows it, but Jamie somehow is paying attention. So you're not going to hear Jamie's voice again today. And that, of course, is a cause for celebration. So everybody out there, just do whatever you're doing. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's transition back to more on-the-ice news. Happy news for well, you. Uh, okay, so Marc-Andre Fleury waives his no-movement clause, uh, but only in the respect that he could be drafted by or traded to Vegas. That's, so what, what this does is it allows the Penguins to now protect Matt Murray at the expansion draft coming up. They either will trade Flurry to Vegas, or they just won't protect him, and Vegas will draft him, and then keep him from themselves or trade him. Or maybe Vegas doesn't draft him. Maybe they take somebody else off Pittsburgh's roster, and at that point, Pittsburgh gets to keep both goalies, which I mean, you can't ask for a better situation if you're the Penguins in that regard. What would you do if you're Vegas and looking at Pittsburgh, assuming you know the unprotected list? If I was just looking at Pittsburgh, I probably would take Flurry, but when... When you look at the other teams, there are other good goalies out there. And I believe, I don't have it right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure, and Pittsburgh's going to protect seven forwards. So then you're protecting Chris Letang and Justin Schultz and either Ole Mata or Brian Dumoulin. So there's going to be a decent defenseman out there if Vegas wanted to go that route, a decent young defenseman mm-hmm. that's you know fairly reasonably priced. So I'm, I don't think it's a slam dunk that they take Flurry, but... This obviously is why they didn't trade Flurry going into the uh, the trade deadline in the playoffs, which they wouldn't have won the cup if they had because Matt Murray got hurt. But uh, this worked out pretty well for Pittsburgh. I'm guessing they knew all along that Mark Andre Flurry was willing to do this. Yeah, I gotta say, and I know that people around the Penguins organization have already said this, but it's just tremendous what he did for that team the last two years. If if, if that was really his last game, you know at whatever point he played his last game in these playoffs against Ottawa, 
Uh, it's unreal what he did for them. By all accounts, a class act, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, to, to take Matt Murray under his wing and make him comfortable as opposed to just sitting back and watching hey, him fail. Here's my job. Like, handed it, he's the one yeah. that handed Murray the cup last night. Like, Do you think Vegas takes him and then trades him? Because he has value and there are a few teams that are really looking for a top goalie. And who the heck else is out there? Bishop's gone. Yeah, I mean, there isn't much out there. And you're right. Why not turn to Winnipeg or Calgary and say, all right. We've got a great asset. Go. Yeah. Uh, I would certainly look at it if I was Vegas, because if you feel like you can get more back than just Brian Dumoulin, then you should do that. I like mm-hmm. Brian Dumoulin, but yeah, you should you should certainly uh, look into that. How do you feel about this, though, just the ability for a player or a team to ask a player to do that? Because as much, as, as much hand-wringing as there was, mostly by me on this show, but across, you know, NHL media across the, the continent for the last few months of what are the Penguins going to do, like I look at a team like Anaheim, and we talk about how they have to protect Kevin Bieksa, so then they, you know, that's one less really good young defender they can keep. They don't have to protect Kevin Bieksa. They can just go to him and be like, look, they're not going to take you anyway, so wave your no movement and we'll be fine. Right. It almost feels like getting around the system. Sure it does. And that's, that's the thing with this expansion draft. Unlike most other parts of the NHL, whether it's draft or free agency, the rules feel so loose to me. It's almost like they need to tighten this a little bit. But how do you – you could certainly do a better job of it in my opinion, than they have, even though you don't have really much precedent to pull on because the previous examples are so long ago and the league's so different that you really, it's apples to oranges. You probably should have thought down, sat down and thought about some of these things and maybe said, yeah, it's not cool for a team to do this or that. It's, It's funny, and we just talked about on the last show, you can go to a player and ask them to waive their no move clause, which is part of their contract. So essentially... You're asking them to restructure their contract, yes. right? Yeah. But you can't go to a player and ask them to restructure their contract. Yeah. So it's weird. Well, and I just don't understand why I have the rule in place where if a guy has a no movement clause that you have to protect him because just think about this logically. If you can go to the guy and get him to waive it, it's probably not somebody that Vegas is going to take anyway. And if you can't, if you're not going to go do that, if you're not willing to because you want to keep him anyway, then you were going to keep him anyway, mm. right? I mean, just look at Anaheim again. Like a guy like Ryan Getzlaff, he has a no movement. They're not going to ask him to waive it because they want to protect him anyway. But Kevin Bieksa, they want to be able to protect Sammy Vatanen and Hampus Lindholm and Cam Fowler and Josh Manson, and they can't protect them all because they have to waste one of those spots on Kevin B- Nothing against Kevin Bieksa, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he used to be a good player. Yeah, and so you're <laughs> going to go to him and say, just wave it and... Vegas isn't going to jump in and be like, hey, we'll take that contract for no reason. Well, Anaheim would love them to take that contract. But that's, that's true. That would, that would kind of like Brent Seabrook. Anyway. How excited are you for this draft? I, I'm, and I'm going to be there now. The draft or the expansion draft? The expansion draft. The expansion draft is crazy to me. I, I'm, I'm completely intrigued about what's going to happen over the next week. I'm a little miffed that we haven't seen anything happen yet. Yeah, which, but again, like John Chaika said, it's a deadline. So what happens? People go right up to the deadline, which is a horrible scenario for me, by the way, because I'm going on the road Friday and the deadline's Saturday. This is all shaking yeah, up to some. I, I don't like how this is playing value. out. Yeah, and not only that, you're gonna when you say you're gonna be on the road, it's not like you're gonna be in the sky. I'm club. actually driving. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually driving. I'm gonna be in like Amarillo. <laughs> when the biggest trade breaks. Right. Right. Craig Morgan will be at a gas station in Amarillo. Just remember that. Whatever the trade is. I can say this, though. As a veteran journalist, I have filed under worse circumstances than that. So Than Amarillo? Probably, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I can take you back to some crazy circumstances where I have had to file. We're going to need uh, some of those tales during okay. the summer. By the way, we are still doing summer shows. We did them all last summer. We'll do them. We're not stopping. Craig is going to be gone for the next couple weeks, but he'll still be on the show, I believe. I'm going to try. Yeah, he'll at least call in and some level. Are you going to take that mug of water with you? I might. It's a tasty mug of water. I don't think anybody's going to miss it, so go ahead. Is that like from an insurance company yeah, that it sold is. it in See, Why is it here? I don't <laughs> Wait, Have you even heard of this company? American Republic Insurance Company. No, Never but they're now it. the proud sponsors of episode 89 of this podcast. They're probably out of business, but... Well, you pour that much money into free mugs. I mean, how can you stay afloat? So... Next week, you'll be at the NHL draft. I will be at the NHL awards and the expansion draft. Jamie supposedly is going to be at the NHL awards and expansion draft with me. I saw the RV outside, so I'm thinking he's going to make the trip. <laughs> Road tripping with yeah. Jamie Eisner. Yeah. Uh, but we will do a show next week, and we'll have a lot of uh, access, too. So actually, some of that access might not show up to the following episode. But, um, yeah. 
back to news, Florida hires a head coach. So we have one team missing a coach, and that is We kind of know the that with why they were waiting, too. The Sabres were waiting to talk to candidates on both the Predators and the Penguins. So imagine something will shake down pretty quickly here, maybe even before the draft. We'll see. Would, maybe while you're in Amarillo. <laughs> what did you, I, I'll be okay with that. Okay. What did you think about the, uh, the Florida hire? Because that was weird to me in the sense that they didn't have to wait. It's not like... Yeah, that, that was the only thing that stuck, stuck out to me. It's just like, I mean, why did this take so long? Could have done this <laughs> right. a month and a half ago. <laughs> well, it's Florida, so like maybe they were checking his military ties. I, I don't know. <laughs> he was being vetted to be mm-hmm. the head coach mm-hmm. uh, of the are Florida you, Panthers. Are you willing to serve in the National Guard? Okay, you can have the job. All right, you're, you're the new head coach of the Florida Panthers. Uh, Eric Carlson received a Conn Smythe vote. Did you see that? Yeah, hey, I, I, we don't know who the voter was, right? No. Okay. Maybe somebody will publicize that at some point. But look, you, you can't win the Smythe if you don't get to the final. But he came really close, and had he made it to the final? He might have won. Yeah, he might have won even, even if his team lost. Even if his team lost. Yeah. Because you figure if he was there, that meant that Crosby, and I would assume Malkin was the runner-up to Crosby, didn't win. Or they wouldn't even be there. So then you're just talking about Carlson or somebody on Nashville, and it was pretty wide open on Nashville. Yeah, if, especially if Pecorino was up and down the way he was in the final. Yeah. He wasn't a shoe-in. Ryan Ellis fell off in production. That would have been a tough one, actually, for Nashville. If you had to pick someone from Nashville, I got no clue who I would pick, to be honest. Probably if they would have won, it would have still been Rene, but he was so bad in Pittsburgh, three of three games. Mm-hmm. So I that was... That would have been difficult because Ryan Ellis was the other guy. And I tell you what, you start to hear about these injuries these guys had, and it's just. Yeah, he was he was not playing at 100 percent last night. No, and I'm sure it was gamesmanship before Game Five to have Nick Benino warm up and then see if he could give it a go. <laughs> since we now know he had a broken tibia. Insane. No way Hockey's he's crazy. Hockey is crazy. And yet he's out there at least to celebrate the cup at the end. So it was Chris Letang. So. Uh, in the full jerseys and equipment. How awkward is that, by the way? You know, they had to start putting that equipment on when the game, I'm guessing, was probably still tied with like three minutes left in the third period. What if you put it on, Pittsburgh loses now? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Oh, yeah. I know you're hurt. Can you just put all this hockey equipment on and then take it back off for my own amusement? <laughs> uh, I have a note here that just simply says salary cap. Well, I'm curious what's going to happen. Is the, is the PA actually going to use the escalator or not? You know, we've been hearing a lot of people saying recently that they're not going to do it. They're going to, the whole firm this year and the cap is going to remain flat. But then you see agents like Alan Walsh saying lots of misinformation out there regarding the inflator and its impact on escrow. Um, this is what Walsh tweeted. He's an agent, of course, a well-known agent. Uh, fact, 5% inflator accounts for approximately 2% increase in escrow. Escrow is a seminal issue for NHL players. However, restricting upper limit hurts all UFAs, RFAs, and could force teams to trade or buy out players. So I'm reading some doubt in that tweet. Yeah. This feels Granted, like- this is just one agent, and, and you, you kind of know where agents sit on all this. They want to make their money. Yeah. But they are also supposed to be looking out for the best interests of the players. And I'm, I'm still not convinced that they're going to say no to the escalator. I, I want to get down to it and see how this plays out because it does hurt free agents. Are you concerned at all that your voice has changed like eight times since you drank out of that unidentified Yeah, I'm wondering about that. Okay. It's, it's a little concerning. What if it was like used to... It's either that or these 17-year-old Nestle's uh, Crunch Bar that I just ate. Did you notice that vending machine is sort of half empty, which... Worries me. I don't think they've you know? restocked that. If it were fully 80s. stocked, I'd be like, all right. Yeah. But there's like a few items in it, which. Mm, <laughs> Even the company has like given some up apocalyptic on movie, right? Where there are a few things left in the right. vending machine 17 years later. No, I'm coughing too, and I, I ate out of it. But you're right. It's, it's like the company itself abandoned that a while ago. Right. Um, I, this, the salary cap stuff seems like something that they need to iron out here pretty quickly because there's a lot of decisions that are made based on this. I mean, we have said multiple times this is a very unique summer, and one of the things, at least that I'm looking forward to, you know, there's this is a tremendous opportunity for savvy GMs to make some really good moves, but it's also an opportunity for GMs to make some mistakes. Especially, especially if you don't know the cap. Yeah, I mean, it helps to know the cap since that's, that's such a driving force. Yeah, really for good idea teams. to know that by the end of this week. <clears throat> yeah, free agency starts in 
less than three weeks. And you've got these trades for you know for the associated with the expansion draft coming, presumably in the next few days. And so I feel like a lot of those trades potentially will be dictated by teams trying to get out of contracts that have them right up against the cap. Right, and then if you add a little bit more to the cap, maybe they don't need to. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You're right. It is. It's all just very. It's all a very fluid situation. The expansion draft is insane to me. I don't. I don't even know what to think of it. We're going to look back on it. There's going to be a, like a story to do afterward. Like, wow, that was either crazy or oh look, nothing happened again. It was just like. I hope it's not. It was that. just like. Yeah, it was just like the trade deadline. No, this is. And you're right. I'm getting worried that that might happen because here we are. It's Monday, and, and literally nothing has happened. And yes, the Stanley Cup just ended last night, but that really only should have affected two teams. Like the other 28 teams could make trades with Vegas already. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I think we're gonna, we are going to see some movement here. How, how, how advantageous is it to be an expansion team right now in the sense that do you think they can put together a half-decent roster, not to make the playoffs or win the Cup next year, but like a guy like Jacob Silverberg was supposed to be available. I'm guessing he won't be now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Zucker from Minnesota. His name's out there a lot. I know he has ties to Vegas, so his name just gets tossed out there. But he's a 25-year-old that's been averaging close to 20 goals each of the last three years. So do you think Vegas is able to acquire some decent young assets if they can't make trades just through actual drafting? Or is this going to be a team of vets I don't that know. goes away? I, I don't like what they'll be able to get through the expansion draft itself. Maybe a couple decent players, but I think trades. You know, I can't. I, 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 again, I don't know what the strategy is here. Is there a strategy that... If George McPhee extends this out, because he is sort of setting the market, if he just pushes these deals later and later and later into the week, does it make it harder for other teams to make deals? And so he's almost controlling the market. See what I'm saying? I, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not. It, but, it does. I just don't know if he's doing that intentionally. Yeah. I guess only he knows. Right. Strictly from the drafting standpoint, and I know you're not a huge fan of the mock drafts, so we won't do that. But what would your strategy be? I mock mock drafts. You mock them aggressively. Yes. What would your strategy be in terms of just your philosophy, I guess, going into that draft? Again, there will be trades or movement or whatever. Take that out of the equation for a second. Are you just looking for as many young players as you can find? I, well, like, it's like McPhee, McPhee said the other day. He talked to the Globe and Mail, and he said, it, you know, the list, it changes every day. We don't, we don't really know what that list is going to look like because – all these teams are trying to make deals. So it's really hard to formulate your strategy. Yeah, I'd be trying to find young talent. You know, we have Vegas saying we're going to try and compete right from the start, and I'm sure some of that's just marketing because there's no way you're going to compete right from the start. But, yeah, I I think my strategy would be try and accumulate as many good young assets as I can. For the people that don't necessarily get these uh, press releases from the league, the... The deadline is what, the 17th? That's when the freeze goes into effect, yeah. Yes, so then basically Vegas has a couple days to draft the team. They, at that point, they will internally have the list of which players mm-hmm. uh, have, have been exposed. They will draft, and then it won't actually be revealed until the 21st, uh, which is the day of the award show. So I believe that's just going to be the, before the award show. I mean, I might be off by an hour or two, but there's going to be a reveal. I don't know what order they're going to show hey, you know, this is who this team lost, or if they're just going to go, here's Vegas's defenseman, here's their goalies, forwards, or whatever. But uh, it, I'm, I'm really I'm looking forward to that. I think it's, it's going to be interesting because either way, by the 21st, you know, after that reveal, we're going to know who Vegas's sort of building blocks are. Now, they right. may not be competitive, but we'll at least know, here's their three or four good young forwards, here's the anchor of their D going forward, who's their number one goalie, we should know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's only a week and a half away. It's basically a week away, really. The trades might be the more interesting part of this, though, to me still. The, the, the better players might be moving through trades. Well, because we'll the trades could affect the whole league, yeah. and they should be happening right yeah. now. Yeah, because like, like I look at this from a Coyote standpoint. If you're a Coyote fan, is the expansion draft all that interesting to you because you might lose Luke Shen? No, not not from any individual team's yeah, perspective. Yeah, well, a couple teams it might be maybe like Anaheim or or Nashville or teams that have way too many players to protect that are losing a, a pretty good player. Who do we think Anaheim's going to lose or trade? I don't know because that, that know what their strategies that they have so many defensemen they don't want to lose Manson. I think they're going to try and trade Sammy Vatanen, but the price is well. That's what you always hear too at the start of negotiations. The price is sky high. 
but as a young, I believe, right-handed defenseman. Yeah, you've heard the talk with New Jersey, which could use five defensemen. Yeah. <laughs> they could use Sammy Votnin or five. Yeah. They are literally the opposite. He's not going to be traded in the division, so he's not going to Edmonton. He's not going here to, to the Coyotes, which is a shame because Sammy Votnin and Oliver ekman Larson would be a whew, that be an interesting pairing. It's depressing to hear you say that, although, I, I mean, you told me that off the air a couple days ago, but uh, that was somebody that I was looking at potentially for the Coyotes for the last four months, honestly, because it just Anaheim has too many guys. They have too many defensemen. If you're the Ducks, and I, I wondered if they were going to go down that path of, well, we're not making a trade within the division, well, Vegas is going to be in your division. So, you, you know, are you going to just allow Yeah, but you're not worried about free? Vegas for a while, right? No, but, I mean, he goes there, you get nothing. If he goes to the Coyotes, you could get prospects And that's, that's the thing that I don't get. Why do you care if... Oh, we're going to see him a few times a year. He could come back to haunt us. If you're getting the best return for that player, that's what you have to think about, not he's in our division. That's my philosophy. I think it's crazy to limit your trade options by saying we're not trading within the division. I think there's a couple exceptions. Like if Washington really did trade a Vetchkin, Okay, maybe don't trade him to Pittsburgh. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a bad move. I get that. Yeah, like two cup contenders. Yes, and a... 40, 50 goal scorer that can go out there and, and, and exact some revenge. What's Sammy Votnin going to do? He's going to go out there and hit your players? Couldn't you make the same, same argument, though, with Anaheim? Say, say hey, Anaheim, you, you can't trade Sammy Votnin into, say, not that they have the space, but the Blackhawks. Why would you do that? Why would you give him to a, a cup contender that you're going to ostensibly compete against in the Western Conference Final for a right to go to the cup final? I mean, if you start limiting yeah. it that way, it just seems... I don't know. It seems crazy. It seems like you're not focused on the right thing, which is getting the best return for your player. I'm with you. And again, they have basically five days to do this. Yeah. So is it more dangerous if you consider yourself a cup contender like Anaheim does if Vatanen ends up on Chicago or Vancouver? Vancouver's in your division, so you won't make the trade there. You may not make any trade because you've got five days, and yeah. then he's on Vegas. Vancouver should be on the list. You should be good with that. Everybody should be allowed to make any trade they want with Vancouver. Of course, what are you getting? The point of this. Uh, not Louis Erickson. He's locked in. <laughs> so, all right. How excited are you to go to uh, Chicago for this draft? I'm very excited, actually, both for the draft because I love being down in the city and because it's home. So I get to see family and friends. It'll be a good time. Hopefully the weather will cooperate because Chicago can be disgusting in the summer. Really? Yeah. Humid. Humid and hot. Make sure you take that mug with you. I feel like yeah. you guys are inseparable really, yeah. at this point. yeah. I like this mug. Well, it's yours. This mug. That's, that's Nobody a, will notice that's if, I, if I take it right out of here. I hope, I hope you walk out no, here and somebody I walked in notices. with this, okay? Yeah, no, this is my I mean, insurance mug. I used to work for this company. Oh, well, that's more believable, I guess. It's not really, actually. No. All right, that's going to do it for us. Do I, uh, do I acknowledge Jamie? I mean, he's not here anymore, so do I have to? Might as well. All right, for Jamie Eisner when he was here. Uh, for Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. They, the yellowest Stanley Cup that we're ever going to see is Seriously. Over. How did Mustard not sponsor this Stanley Cup? <laughs> <laughs> so Missed much. opportunity. Yeah, maybe they'll both get back next year. All right. Uh, for Jamie, for Craig, I'm Luke. Thanks for listening to Episode 89 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. Nutty Hattie!